0: This contest is scheduled for one fall with a 20 minute time limit. Bobby Roode just took a walk on his tag team partner, leaving Ty Dillinger to the Wolves. Oh my god! Wolf and Football have just advanced to the first round. This is the 20-Minute Time Limit Podcast. I'm your sports entertainment analyst, Chris Morrison. You know me from Aftermath. You can catch it, 10 o'clock, Fridays on Sportsnet 360, after the SmackDown Live replay. And as you could tell, right off the top of this podcast, a very disappointing showing for the glorious 10... Bobby Roode, I actually will admit this, I actually kind of like Bobby Roode chickening out against Sanity, not even taking his robe off and just leaving Ty Dillinger in the ring to fend for himself against Sanity, which is comprised of Eric Young, Nikki Storm, Alexander Wolfe, and Sawyer Fulton. And I'll say this: you know what? I'm not shocked at all that Bobby Roode and Ty Dillinger couldn't coexist as a team. I had the feeling last week after watching NXT and on last week's episode of the 20-minute time limit, I knew it. I had the, I had it. I had the feeling that this wasn't going to work out. It was too good to be true. I can't wait to get Maddie Hayes's thoughts, big sexy, on this whole thing. I got to imagine though: there's got to be some money. There's got to be a feud. ...between these two guys, right? I mean, who wouldn't love to see who's more glorious? A battle between glorious and perfection. I tell you what, if we ain't going to get these guys as a tag team... uh, ...better get these guys in a match against each other. Whether it's at NXT TakeOver Toronto, which is coming up. Survivor Series weekend, I can't wait for that. Speaking of Survivor Series, we're going to talk a little bit about Survivor Series... ...in this week's episode of the 20-Minute Time Limit. We're also going to talk about Hell in the Cell. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed No Mercy. Uh, hopefully you guys had a chance to check out my review. If you didn't, I understand it came a little bit late this week. I didn't take into account of Thanksgiving. I know. I, I totally spaced, uh, but it's, I still got it out to you guys, and I, I still wish you guys uh, a happy Thanksgiving, although albeit uh, belated. So anyways, let's get into the wrestling talk this week because there's a lot to talk about. Raw made some news this week, specifically the women. It's going to be Sasha Banks, the WWE Raw Women's Champion against Charlotte inside Hell in a Cell. The spectacle of this alone is awesome. I'm going to admit, you know what? Having the women inside of a cage. I was calling for the cage match between these two at SummerSlam and they raised me Hell in the Cell. The spectacle is going to be amazing. Now... The build-up to this match, I, you know what, I was talking with Mike Sesney and the Black Triple H Johnny Gale at the Top Turnbuckle Podcast, and I agree with them. You know, I would have liked to see Charlotte, you know, maybe backtrack a little bit. You know, and maybe, oh, you know, I want my rematch, but you know what, maybe I don't want to be, in. I don't want to wrestle inside Hell in the Cell. I don't think I should have to do that. You know, I would have liked to see some pushback from one of the competitors. I mean, it had to be Charlotte because Sasha Banks made the proposal. I would have even liked to see a little, you know, pushback from Mick Foley. You know, it wasn't that long ago that Mick Foley was an advocate against the Hell in the Cell match when uh, Ambrose and Rollins were getting into it. You know, that you, everybody remembers that one where they both were on the outside of the cage and they both leapt off and landed on announce tables. You know, I quite fondly remember Mick Foley being an advocate for these guys not getting inside, being crazy to get inside Hell in the Cell. And this week on Raw, it was almost like a reward uh, for Sasha Banks and Charlotte. My worry in this match and I'll be I'll be honest I'm not a huge fan of hell in the cell matches because basically it's a cell and a ring inside of it now you know I grew up and I watched Mankind against Undertaker I saw Undertaker throw Mankind off the top of the cage I saw him choke slam Mankind through the cage I think I've seen Triple H pedigree Mick Foley through the top of the thing I mean Myself and all the older... I'm making little quotation marks with my hands. All the older fans, the guys who grew up in the Attitude Era... I think we've seen the best Hell in the Cell matches you're ever going to see. I mean, the first one between The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels... When Kane showed up was amazing. It was unheard of. You know, what was going on. Like, I could not believe my eyes what I was seeing. And then even just this year... With Shane McMahon leaping to his death off of the top of the new restructured Hell in the Cell. I mean, I don't know. You cannot top that. I I don't even want to say I don't know. I know you cannot top that. And what scares me about this with Charlotte and Sasha Banks in there is you've got somebody like Sasha Banks who is fearless. I mean, I almost saw her paralyze herself this year. I mean, she did a suicide dive and almost broke her neck. You know, and we've seen Charlotte and she's doing backflips off the top rope to the outside. It worries me what these women will try to accomplish inside Hell in the Cell. And it also worries me whether or not they will be allowed. Will they? Will WWE let them go to the lengths that they want to go to to put on a fantastic match? And I know these women will do that because they are that capable of doing it. I mean... On one hand, I will say this: if one of them is cut, is busted open, if there's some color in this match, I think that'll go a long way. But hell in the cell for me if you're if there's nobody's going off the top of the cage, through the top of the cage, off the side or through the side. It's really just a match with obstructed viewing, in my opinion. And, you know, let's even go as far as to talk about now, there's going to be three Hell in the Cell matches at Hell in the Cell. I think that is three too many. We had one at WrestleMania, and it blew our minds. You know, never have we seen somebody jump that high off the top of the cell You know, to actually miss. Shane McMahon missed The Undertaker. He landed squarely on top of that announce table. But, you know, now to have three matches... And so you've got Roman Reigns versus Rusev, and this is the first time the United States Championship will be defended inside Hell in a Cell. So that that you know that's a big match. Okay, I get it. But now you've got an even bigger match because now it's the first time it's two women inside Hell in a Cell. And then on top of that, you've got Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens, and this is where I feel like Raw just missed the mark this week. Chris Jericho should be inside hell in the cell it should be triple threat now I'm not saying that I want Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho to break up because I actually find they are the best thing on Raw week after week even better than Seth Rollins and I love their team together so I mean I can wait for these guys to break up because let's admit it eventually these guys are going to break up and we're going to get Chris Jericho against Kevin Owens one-on-one but I feel like it would add, it would add an interesting dynamic, you know, because we've already got one 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 on one Hell in the Cell match, and now we're gonna have three one on one Hell in the Cell matches. I just feel like to add some variety, it would have been nice to have Chris Jericho in there, and you know, you further progress the story of how he and Kevin Owens are gonna eventually come to blows, and face each other one-on-one for the, for the championship. Or maybe not for the championship, because who knows? Seth Rollins might walk out of Hell in the Cell as the champ. But for me, this comes back to how the Hell in the Cell match is watered down. I mean, we've already, like I said, we've already seen one at WrestleMania 32, and I don't think there's any topping that. There's no topping jumping off the top of the cell, unless you're doing it yourself. But I just cannot see anybody... Being that crazy to do it And if they are, you know what, then I'm wrong And I've been wrong before, guys, right? But I just don't see anybody going to that length And that's what, in my opinion, makes Hell in the Cell special In my morbid sense of entertainment I just, for Hell in the Cell to be entertaining I need guys, like I said, to be jumping off the top of the thing Going through the top of the thing Going through the side of the thing Or jumping off the side of the thing I mean, even the, the match between Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker at Hell in the Cell where Lesnar was tearing up the ring. I mean, that made that match actually pretty cool because I ne- haven't seen a guy tear up the ring before. I mean, I've seen George the Animal Steel eat turnbuckle pads, but I've never seen a guy literally rip the ring apart. And that's what he did. And so, I mean, I just don't, I just don't know how anybody, male or female, can top what's already been done. I mean, I hope they do. I hope we are all fully entertained, but I just, I guess I'm skeptical about it, I have a morbid sense of entertainment when it comes to Hell in the Cell, I mean, I don't know, so um, you know what, speaking of Brock Lesnar, let's get, let's just jump, jump ship here for a second, let's talk about Survivor Series, let's talk about Paul Heyman, let's talk about Brock Lesnar, let's talk about Bill Goldberg! Bill Goldberg was on ESPN. Before he was on ESPN, he was on the Top Turnbuckle podcast with me, Johnny Gale, and Brandon Pollock. And more importantly, Johnny Gale had an interview one-on-one, face-to-face with the Fanatics View that I tweeted out, that the Top Turnbuckle tweeted out, that even Johnny Gale has tweeted out, where he asked Bill Goldberg about Brock Lesnar and Bill Goldberg blew his nose in a Brock Lesnar shirt and then tore the thing in half and said who's next so big ups to my boy Johnny Gale for really being the guy to break this whole story the fact that Bill Goldberg is gonna wrestle Brock Lesnar so he goes on ESPN and and you know kind of says you know yeah I'd wrestle Brock Lesnar or whatever Paul Heyman comes out basically accepts the challenge and next week we're gonna get The one and the only, Goldberg, back on Monday Night Raw. And i got to say, I'm actually pretty excited for this. You know, I've said this before. Because this match, if this match happens at Survivor Series in Toronto, because it's not WrestleMania, in my opinion, the stench of WrestleMania 20, the first time these guys wrestled each other with Stone Cold as the referee, that terrible match that, you know what, people still talk about to, to the day, to this day. I feel like as long as it doesn't happen at WrestleMania, that whole thing is null and void. I don't even think about that because this is Survivor Series. It's not WrestleMania. You can't compare the two, in my opinion. But I'm interested to see how this is going to go down. I mean, now you're taking two part-timers. I mean, one guy's part-time and the other guy is just coming back. I mean, there's no telling whether or not we'll see Bill Goldberg again. I mean, after Survivor Series. I mean, we did see Sting a couple times. And unfortunately, Sting got hurt the second time we saw him in a WWE ring. But maybe we see Bill Goldberg at WrestleMania. And maybe he wrestles somebody completely different, not Brock Lesnar. I'm just going to take a pause here for a second because uh, we've got Samoa Joe. I'm watching NXT right now while I record the 20-minute time limit. And we have Samoa Joe basically break up another match. He broke up a match between Beautiful Blake and Buddy Murphy. And he's threatening, once again, William Regal. And he's not going to get his wish. Or at least right now, they're cut to commercial. But I, I gotta say, man, what Samoa Joe is doing and threatening William Regal and causing a disturbance in the NXT arena, I absolutely love it. I love what Samoa Joe is doing right now. And he's still in the ring and he's on the mic. I love the passion. You can tell, like, the passion coming out of Samoa Joe is Absolutely fantastic, and he's actually getting Nakamura now, so we're getting a Nakamura sighting on NXT, and I'll I'll update you guys as this goes. I know there was a point um, last year when I praised the NXT Universe for their chants, but I gotta say, man, it's about time that we put the chanting and the singing along to the Nakamura song for the whole entrance Let's put that baby to bed, maybe. I think it's time to just give it a rest, you know. I mean, I, I, I get the cheering, I get the chance, and it's fine. But I mean, I don't know. I, I really just want to hear his entrance, and I don't want to hear the crowd. I mean, maybe I'm alone on this. I mean, sometimes the NXT universe is pretty creative. You know, like back in England or, or NXT TakeOver London or whatever it was, I loved the crowd there. I thought they were really, really entertaining and they were very creative. But just humming and hawing to a a theme song, it's just really getting too, too much. And especially with the intimate setting that NXT is at Full Sail, there's no getting away from it. And speaking of no getting away from it, there is no getting away from Shinsuke Nakamura at this point. He is just landing bombs on the NXT security. I mean, he wants Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe wants him. This kind of reminds me of uh, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. Right? I mean, that Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens view, and I (laughs) love Shinsuke just going strong style on some poor, poor security guard. Absolutely unreal. Fantastic. Good stuff, but unreal. Um, Let's continue on with the WWE talk. Uh, So we've basically gone through the big stuff from Monday Night Raw. Spoiler alert, uh, my win this week is going to be... AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose, and James Ellsworth. I absolutely loved that match. I know I haven't been a fan of the comedic Dean Ambrose, but there's something about Dean Ambrose in this situation where he was very serious confronting AJ Styles, and I got to say I really like what AJ Styles was doing, basically just giving it to the crowd, you know, calling them losers, calling them idiots, and and they still cheer for him. They still love him. But I really liked Ambrose coming down, you know, he was serious, and then he was appointed the special guest referee for this match, and I just think he really did a real entertaining job, you know, whether it was interacting with the fans on the outside, checking for closed fists, missing pins, checking his cell phone, you you name it, I really thought Dean Ambrose was entertaining, and it if this is like a goofy side of Dean Ambrose, if you consider this a goofy side of Dean Ambrose, I don't mind this one bit. I mean, at least there wasn't a blue big blue hat or some green slime or anything like that. I, I really like this in the terms of wrestling context. Uh, it made sense, and I absolutely loved it. And you know what? I really liked the idea of having Ellsworth out there against AJ Styles, and AJ, you know, having his issues. And I will say, there was that one. Oh my goodness, I will say this right now. There was a cringe-worthy moment. I know there was always been this sort of, you know, backlash against, no pun intended, but backlash against the Styles Clash. And and I think the vid- in the video that circulated on the internet, it was Yoshitatsu who tucked his chin when he wasn't supposed to tuck his chin, taking that move. And I think he broke his neck. And I think, if I remember correctly, that led to, you know, questions in WWE or rumors in WWE, you know, whether or not he was going to be allowed to use that move. And when I saw, and I saw it happening, it was like in slow motion, you know. You know when people say that, it's like, oh, I saw that coming in slow motion. I couldn't look away. And it was the same thing. I saw Ellsworth tuck his chin, and I sat there in my at my chair, and I thought, oh, my goodness, please, God. Please let this guy be okay, because he is going to get drilled with this move. And, uh, you know, as it turns out, he was fine. But I uh, only hope uh, when they get to the back, somebody tells him, hey, don't tuck your chin on that Styles Clash anymore, pal. Um, what else happened on SmackDown Live? Oh, wait, weren't we supposed to get the debut match of somebody? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we were supposed to get the debut match of a guy named... Oh, uh, what is it? Kurt Hawkins? And we didn't get that match. But it was promised to us on the No Mercy pre-show. I'm pretty sure it was even tweeted out. But we didn't get it. Oh, but we got an explanation on Twitter, if you guys were lucky enough to catch that tweet. It was an exclusive interview with Kurt Hawkins. And uh, I... Forgive me, I can't remember her name. I think it's Charlie, uh, but she went up to Kurt Hawkins after SmackDown went off the air and, and said, "Oh, you know, they ran out of time on SmackDown. Well, what are your thoughts?" And Kurt Hawkins turned around and he said, "Time waits for no man, except Kurt Hawkins." And you know what? I'm gonna say this. I was disappointed, man. This is the first time in a while I've been disappointed with SmackDown Live, and but that whole thing was saved. Because of Kurt Hawkins. You know, like, just that one little promo that really, the, some of these promos should be, should be on TV. I mean, there was even one with Heath Slater and Rhino backstage after they came to the aid of Dolph Ziggler. And, you know, Heath Slater did his normal Heath Slater thing. And then he turned to Rhino, who was just sort of looking off, and, and he was like, I don't like male cheerleaders. And I just thought it was so funny. And, and some of this stuff, like, they're saving it for Twitter. But I feel like, you know, if you're not at the right place at the right time, you're potentially missing those tweets. Unless you're going to the WWE Twitter account and scrolling back. Like, I would like to see more of that and more of what they do on Talking Smack on SmackDown. Actually on SmackDown. I understand why they have Smack Talk, and I understand you know why it's there, and why the superstars maybe are saving things, and and you know it just creates content for us, the fans, to watch. But some of that stuff is just so good compared to some of the stuff that we actually get to see on SmackDown and uh, and Monday Night Raw. Uh, I will say this before we go in. I only got about twenty seconds left. Luke Harper. You saw the light, and you know what? If the, the light you saw was turning on Bray Wyatt, I would have cared. And for a split second, you had me thinking there, pal, that you were going to turn on Bray Wyatt. But in actual fact, you just played mind games with Randy Orton. You psyched out Randy Orton, but you didn't psych me out, Luke Harper. You haven't psyched me out, Bray Wyatt. Wyatt family, Eric Rowan, I don't even care. You can throw Braun Strowman in there. I am not buying... This Wyatt family garbage, this hot garbage that they are spewing out, this blue Kool-Aid that I've been talking about for weeks now, I'm not buying it, man. I just don't care. I don't care anymore. I mean, Bray Wyatt is winning matches. He's won two matches. So there's a start. I mean... I'm happy he's getting wins, but for me, I've talked about this before, it's that back burner that WWE has. Whether it's fictitious or whether it's really there, whether it's something I've just made up in my mind, I feel like there's a back burner, and when things get put there, and when they get put there for too long, i.e. Bray Wyatt winning a feud, the original SmackDown before the brand split, guys like Jack Swagger, Jinder Mahal... Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel, who came out of nowhere, all of a sudden they have a place on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Not everybody can be Heath Slater. And, you know, let's even throw The Miz into that category. And I will say before I end this week's podcast The Miz is the best heel in the company. He might not be the best wrestler, he might not have the best matches, but he is the best heel. He is the best personality. In WWE, And this guy, in my opinion, should be shot to the top right now. I mean, he is in another level on SmackDown. And this whole Intercontinental Championship is below him at this point. I think The Miz could be skyrocketed to the WWE title. I mean, unfortunately, it's held by heel. It's held by AJ Styles. And maybe that doesn't quite work out. But eventually... It's got to be The Miz. I would love to see him with another WWE title run. That's just me. Anyways, we heard the bell. That's the end of the 20-minute time limit podcast this week. Uh, Like I said, aftermath, 10 o'clock, Sportsnet 360, after the SmackDown Live replay. You can check me out there. Jackie last week was talking tough. Of course she was talking tough when I wasn't there. So I might have to set her straight this week. I don't know. She was talking so tough. I don't even know if I'm the heel or the baby face in this whole thing anymore. So anyways, uh, thank you guys very much for listening this week. And check out the Top Turnbuckle Podcast if you have enough time. Uh, we're doing big things over there. Me, Johnny Gale, Mike Sesney, Brandon Pollock, Kevin Mickey, Maddie Hayes. And this week we introduced another new member to the team. Very excited to welcome everyone. Andrew, David Cox, to the Top Turnbuckle Podcast team. So check that out. Leave us a a rating. Leave leave us a review. I know some of you have already done it, and we thank you very much for that. And you can leave a rating or a review for me at the 20-minute time limit. But until next week, this has been your sports entertainment analyst, Chris Morrison, and I'm out.